Kierkegaard designed spaces with careful consideration for sound and visual display. We are acoustics and audiovisual systems consultants that collaborate with architects where sound and communication are critical to the end user's experience. We have deep expertise with a broad range of project types and are world-renowned for our performance facilities and beautiful sounding spaces. Our team is committed to serving the communities where we are based, including St. Louis. Learn more about us at Kierkegaard.com. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Build America, the national podcast that's capturing and sharing the very heartbeat of construction and development. I'm your host, Carrie Smith, and in this episode of Build America, we are talking U.S. transportation infrastructure, specifically the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, known as IIJA for short, and enacted by Congress two years ago. This act promises to invest $110 billion in new funding for roads, bridges, mass transit, and other major thoroughfare-oriented projects. And it also reauthorizes our nation's five-year surface transportation program. Breaking it down for us today is Alex Metchen. And Alex is Senior Director for Infrastructure Management at the Associated General Contractors of America. And before coming to the AGC of America, Alex served as Associate Administrator for Highway Policy and External Affairs for the Federal Highway Administration at the U.S. DOT. His expertise includes analysis of traffic and transportation performance data, new highway technology, transportation research, program innovations, and national transportation policy options, study and analysis. And Alex, with all that to be said, it's great to have you here on this episode of Build America. Thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. Oh, our pleasure. Our pleasure. And our topic in this episode of Build America, I've dubbed major update of the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act and would love to just have an overview from you, Alex, just to let people know who aren't familiar with the IIJA or haven't heard about it in a while. What is it and what does it entail? What does it govern? Well, sure. So I'll start by clarifying there were two different large pieces of legislation that passed last Congress. The IIJA or Infrastructure Bill or Bipartisan Infrastructure Law is what we're going to be talking about today. And we're not going to be talking about the Inflation Reduction Act, which was, uh, of course, a separate bill, but oftentimes those two get conflated. So I wanted to clarify. And really, the Infrastructure Bill, it's a $1.2 trillion investment in our nation's infrastructure over five years. There's a lot of discussions about, is it a $1.2 trillion bill or a five $550 billion bill. And really what this came down to was what is new spending versus baseline spending? And so you have to remember the nation was already spending money on the nation's infrastructure, on things like roads, bridges, transit systems. So if you took the last year of the last highway bill and set it across the next five years, that would have been baseline. So if you're looking at the new spending side of it, it's about $550 billion investing in things like transit, airports, runways, terminals, roads, bridges, levees, dams. And a big thing, other thing that I like to distinguish here is oftentimes we'll get asked at AGC, you know, oh, the stimulus back in 2008 or nine must've just been huge for your industry. And one of the mistakes they made with that bill was they said, infrastructure infrastructure projects had to be shovel ready. I remember that. So you really got a lot of bridge painting, a lot of resurfacing, and it really only made up a small percentage of that bill. So, you know, they took lessons learned with this bill and said, you know, let's make sure this goes to actual, you know, transformational projects. And so they did it right. They didn't put in that shovel-ready requirement. They gave largely this money to states to manage over the next five years. 
Perfect. Thank you for making that distinction because I certainly get confused when we talk about federal funding for transportation. So that's a really great point you made about a stimulus because I think a lot of us sort of scratched our heads after that rolled out about what we thought it was going to be and what kind of projects it was going to fund. And then as you said, maybe was it more cosmetic in nature because of that requirement that it had to be ready to roll? Yes, that's correct. And so, you know, whenever you now pivot to this bill that's going to do some of these larger projects, the funding's now there, but that's really just one piece of the equation. These projects have to go through the environmental review and permitting process. And, you know, there's always this eagerness to go to ribbon cuttings and, you know, groundbreakings. And, you know, it takes a while to get there. So, you know, we, as you said, we're just about to finish year two of the bill. States have, depending on this specific program, but they have typically about four years to obligate or commit these funds to projects. So this is going to be, they call it a five-year infrastructure bill, but the benefits are going to be seen for beyond five years for sure. Wow, that's good to clarify that, that there's that much time. So in terms of the state, that's four years to sort of identify which projects and approve them or four years to to get them started? Yeah, so it's to identify an obligate or commit the projects to the funding to a project. And so, you know, the example I always like to point to is the Brent Spence Bridge. It's really become just this symbol of needing to invest in the nation's infrastructure. Several past presidents have stood in front of it talking about the need to invest in infrastructure and rebuild this bridge that connects two states and is very symbolic of interstate commerce in the federal role. And now with the IIJA, this bridge is going to get reconstructed. And this administration has touted that, but, you know, construction still hasn't gotten underway because they still have to get the permits, which I think aren't supposed to be, they're expecting, you know, in another month or so. So again, it just, it takes time to get these projects moving and this is the correct way to do it rather than the one-time infusion of funds for what we talked about earlier with the shovel-ready projects. So that bridge in particular, uh, we were talking before we got on the air that you can walk from downtown Cincinnati over into the state of Kentucky. And I wonder, do you know, is that an added capacity project? Is it a rehabilitative project? How does that fit into the IIJA? Do they have different categories of the type of work that can be funded? No. So they always refer to the federal highway programs as federally funded state administered. So states have certain metrics that they have to meet with these funds, that they have to improve safety reduce congestion, things like that, maintain a certain levels of pavement quality. So no, this is one that will be adding capacity to that bridge. It was designed, I don't know the dates in front of me, but it was a long time ago. And there's a huge bottleneck. Different groups put out freight reports and talk about the freight bottlenecks across the country. And this is always in that top 10. So very important project. Excited we'll be getting underway. Absolutely. So it sounds like there are, even though this is an improvement over the shovel-ready constraints of the stimulus bill, gosh, how many years ago was that? 15 already? This one sounds like it's better structured and more broad, but yet within it, real life happens, right? I can imagine even since 2021, specifically for those in the construction industry, what have been the impediments or the obstacles in terms of inflation and other real world constraints that may make it difficult to move projects Yeah, great question. I mean, in the first year, the bill saw unprecedented levels of inflation, supply chain constraints, a lot of them still the aftermath of the pandemic that we were coming out of. And as that relates to construction and trying to do road projects, for we had 
parts of the country that there were cement shortages. And, you know, when you're pouring concrete, sometimes the specifications of a project call for a continuous pour of, you know, eight trucks of concrete. And if you were only promised four trucks, you weren't able to move forward with that project, as you can imagine. So that was really on the supply chain side, and it was all different types of construction materials. Prices were going way up since the time of bid. Materials just weren't available at times. I mentioned the prices. And then, you know, the other piece to this was a workforce shortage. And it really wasn't just the construction industry. This was a lot of different industries, including the State Department of Transportation themselves. They essentially got a 30% increase in funding. And that's more projects. That's more staffing work that needs to be done. So I think that was also a challenge in the first year. You know, on the regulatory side, I think one other thing worth mentioning is this bill included new Buy America requirements. So in the past, Department of Transportation projects had a Buy America requirement for things like iron steel. This broadened those requirements into construction materials. As you can imagine, that is a much broader inclusion of materials out there. So it has been a process over the last two years to get clarity on what it applies to, what it doesn't. And as that relates to a contractor trying to bid on a project, if you don't have those answers, that's really unknown risk that you have to build into your bid whenever the state lets the project. So we're finally getting answers that provide some clarity to the states, to the construction industry on those new requirements. Yeah, I can't imagine if you have to limit where you're sourcing something from and the wait time that you've got to deal with and the cost and the price. Are there certain, not to get too far in the weeds on the Buy America, but is it like 70% of steel joists have to be made in America? Is it certain material percentages or how do they even go about structuring that requirement? Yeah, so the big one that changed for us was on construction materials and specifically the bill exempted things like stone, sand, gravel, cement, cementitious materials, and the binding agents that go into them. So on one hand, there's construction material by America requirements and then manufactured product by America requirements. And so it really comes down to that. And what there was a lot of uncertainty, particularly in the road industry, was OMB was stopping short of saying concrete is exempt, asphalt is exempt. And so they finally just, with that example, just came out and they clarified that when the material shows up to the job site wet or in a construction material format, it is exempt from the Buy America requirements. So if you're pouring concrete, it shows up in the truck and they pour it. Whereas if it shows up in a pre-made form, like what they call precast concrete, things like- Like uh, a tilt-up project or something like concrete that. Concrete pipe, then- mm -hmm have to be compliant with the Buy America manufactured product requirements. Okay. Wow. There are a lot of nuances to this. And we have been trying to put together tables, different graphics to explain it, and it is complicated. I bet. Is there anything new with regard to the minority or women-owned business requirements of these projects or anything else that veers off from what a contractor would typically be familiar with on bidding on a, I would say, a regular federal project? You know, that's a great question. The bill does continue forth the 10% goal for contracts going to minority and women-owned businesses. AGC represents all types of construction companies, including what they call the DBE or disadvantaged business enterprises that you just mentioned. And really one of the challenges there is continues to be the state, the contractors all want to meet that goal and there's just not enough DBEs out there. So there continues to be that challenge in a lot of states. How do you get... Um. 
people to start those companies. I can only imagine, and I'm really glad, Alex, you brought up about this, the internal state DOT workforce strain, because for some reason, I should have thought of that, but I didn't even think about all the engineers and the architects and the folks, project managers who are having potentially drastically increasing their, what is it, like a five-year state program for projects and the workload that exists, but maybe not enough people. So what kind of folks really, how would they be short-staffed within the DOT? It would be all those positions, wouldn't it be? Right. I mean, we just had a meeting among the construction industry and the state DOTs and federal highways, and this was really a big topic of conversation, something everybody's struggling with. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, I was looking at all the categories of the IIJA and within the heading of transportation, and I wondered if there's a lion's share of the funding we're speaking of is in roads and bridges. I know mass transit is another part of it, and inner city rail and other areas. Where do you see if this was all a big pie with slices in it, where do you see the biggest allocations, I guess, and corresponding to that, the biggest demand for contractors? You really hit the the big ones there. It continues to be a lot of funding for roads, bridges, and transit systems. But, you know, that I always point back to federal highways and the Federal Transit Administration do their own conditions and performance report that shows the needs of the system. So that's why those continue to be the heavily invested programs out there. There was an exponential increase in passenger rail spending. This was, of course, because of the White House. It was Amtrak Joe's top priority in the bill. And then lastly, the, the other one I'll mention, there is supplemental funds for things like airports and some of the water projects we talked about. But the other big one that really had a lot of bipartisan support was the funding for broadband. And this is an area that the federal government wasn't investing a lot of money in in the past. There were some rural broadband programs out there, but nothing like the $43 billion that is included for broadband deployment in this bill. And, you know, if you think back to the timing of when they debated this bill, again, we were still in the pandemic. So broadband and having that need for broadband really was became critical. Um, and so it went from being an issue that the federal government wasn't involved in to just having this huge bipartisan support to spend money on. Does it sort of make sense, and I may be missing this piece, or the thinking that broadband would be in a transportation spending bill, I guess, rather than, and so I'm going to show my ignorance here, rather than in its own bill or in a telecommunications bill, what is there like a direct link there between that and surface transportation? I think there's a lot of different theories. Some people say that this is kind of the new era of interstates having access to reliable, fast internet. I think from the practical standpoint, too, a lot of the broadband runs in the right of way of roadways. So I think there is that nexus as well. Sure. No, that's a great point. Like that's the first thing we hear about when people tackle projects is the utility relocation. Right and all that so that I should have thought of that. I'm so glad you're on it, Alex. Gosh, it's such a complicated subject, but I look forward to it. I understand now we why we don't have a lot of high-profile examples of projects because it's just taking that long to move the needle. When when do you think I should invite you back on to talk about <laughs> some, some of them? Another year, perhaps? So they say, you know, there's a lot of different researchers, academic think tanks have put out. Historically, in a five-year bill, they say years three and four are really there's a really big increase in projects getting underway. So we're still very optimistic that this bill is going to really deliver some impactful results in communities all over the country. That's awesome. Sounds like we can have another updated and really productive conversation in mid-2024, if not sooner. 
We'd love to have you back on. And we just really enjoyed learning today from Alex Metchen, Senior Director for Infrastructure Management at the Associated General Contractors of America. And Alex, thanks for taking something that's super complicated and translating it so we can understand what's going on. Anytime. That's a talent you have, and we appreciate you being on Build America, and would definitely love to have you back on and learn from you again soon. Thank you. We'd love to. Great. We are born with the urge to explore, to see what lies beyond the surface. At Terracon, we're focused on solving engineering and technical challenges for our clients from more than 175 locations nationwide. Our 6,000 employee owners will partner with you at every step of your project's journey, transforming big or small, the routine or complex into clear paths towards successful projects and vibrant communities. With on-time and real-time data-driven insights, a passion for problem solving, and a commitment to safety, we don't just point the way, we go with you. Let's partner together on your next project. Visit Terracon.com to explore with us today.